0: One of the trends that was happening was being needle moved by the biggest part of the workforce today, and that's millennials. Millennials hated the concept that the day had to be carved up into perfect one-third portions. Sleep for one-third of the day. Don't work for one-third of the day. Sit in a chair for one-third of the day at an office. I think work is not going to be about how many hours you worked, but what your output is.
1: Hey, people of the E-Tribe, it's Isar Maitis again. I'm sitting today with Dan Smolin. Dan Smolin is an expert on hiring talent. Hiring the right people can make the difference between a successful company and a failing company. In this interview, we're going to give you tools on what is the right process to hire the right people. What are the steps you have to go through in order to look and find the right talent? But we go further than that we start looking into the changing workforce as a whole and how that change is being accelerated by the coronavirus and the curfew and quarantine that so many people are currently experiencing. Did you ever think about the longer lasting effects of the coronavirus and the quarantine we're currently going through? Did you really think it's not going to have any impact on yourself or the other people that you manage? Well, think again. Dan believes this will actually leave us with a longer lasting positive effect for the long-term of the workforce. But what does that mean? Well, stick towards the end of this interview and you can hear exactly what he thinks. So if you wanna know how to hire the right people and how to retain them, and how to deal with the largest component of the workforce today, which is millennials, stick around as we're sharing some invaluable information. We will start right after the intro you're listening to the e-tribe podcast series a podcast that inspires people to pursue their passions and become better at what they do i'm isar matis a serial entrepreneur myself and i'm sitting down with other members of the e-tribe entrepreneurs e-commerce experts e-marketers and other e-people we come from different industries in different places around the world Together, we discuss challenges, solutions, lessons learned, and tools which help us be more effective and make an impact in our world. Hello, people of the E-Tribe. Welcome back to another episode of the E-Tribe podcast series. Today, I have an extremely interesting guest for you. I'm hosting uh, Dan Smolin. Dan Smolin had most of his career as a recruiter, actually over 20 years as a recruiter, which makes him an expert in finding and, and hiring the right talent. Uh, in the past two years, he's been focused more on how to help people to follow the dreams and do some more meaningful work. As part of that, he's the producer and host of the Tightrope with Dan Smolin podcast, which explores with different uh, entrepreneurs and individuals, uh, different career paths and how they can do more meaningful work. So, you know, in general, hiring the right people is one of the things that has the highest impact on the success chances of, of any company in any organization. And with that, I think speaking with Dan as an expert on the topic will be extremely interesting and invaluable to anybody who's listening to this show. So Dan, thank you so much for uh, joining us today.
0: Glad to be here.
1: Dan, before we dive in into hiring and finding talent, please tell us a little bit about yourself, kind of like your background, your experience in hiring, finding talent, industries, processes, anything that will help people understand uh, why they should stick around and get your uh, <laughs> get your valuable information afterwards.
0: In college, I was on radio. That was my first career, ep- that was my first career act. Um, I didn't stay in radio. After graduation, I got into the agency life, and I did that for many years. And then I pivoted into recruiting. Um, what year was that? 1998. So I did that for 20 years. It was great. I loved it. I loved helping people find new jobs and improve their careers. Uh, But when 2018 came around, I decided to turn the lights off at my uh, recruiting company and focus more on the talent side of the business. Remember, when you're a recruiter, you don't work for the person seeking the job. You report to the person who's paying you to find the person to do the job. Sure. And that's great and all, but it doesn't always solve the the problem of helping a person do a job that they really want to do, what you called meaningful work. That's really the the essence of my podcast.
1: Brilliant. So let's go into hiring and finding talent and really maybe both sides of the scale, like you're saying, both from the individual side. But let's start from the company side. The first thing that I think somebody needs to do if they want to hire somebody is write the right job description, right? Do you have any tips on how should somebody write the right job description to either find the right talent directly or to use somebody like a recruiter or a headhunter?
0: Let's go back a step and okay. that is to say before you even write the job description the hiring manager or the management in the company have to decide What levers have to be moved? What needle movement has to happen? Okay. What is it that you want to do? Do you want to increase revenue, increase sales? Do you want to increase efficiency? Do you want to make more things? What's the positive metric that you most need to accomplish? Okay. I think a lot of hiring managers sometimes skip that step because they think they already know the answer. And by not knowing the answer, sometimes they hire the wrong people. But it's important to really nail down what it is that your division, your group, your company needs to accomplish from a monetary or positive metric standpoint. That might take some time. But once that's figured out, then you can start writing a job description, which gets to the the must-haves. You need to find somebody who has the skill in generating new customer revenue, and the metric that we need to achieve is double-digit growth over a certain period of time, that will help you to hopefully identify the wheat from the chaff, the the talent, the really good talent from everybody else. So that's that's my first recommendation before you even get to the job description. Now, once you get to the job description, you need to figure out what it is that is going to get you to where you need to be. And this is where I want to offer the three-step model that the famous recruiting firm, Hydrick Struggles, came up with. And it's kind of funny, but it's really important for finding really appropriate talent. Okay. There are three steps. The first step is, okay, so you've identified the candidate. Can this person do the job? Well, if you've done your job right, and you've used tools like LinkedIn or um, Indeed, or maybe even used Recruiter, you should have a good pool of candidates that are checking all the boxes. They can do the job and they can do it well. The second step is, will they love doing the job? Are they going to come in with boundless enthusiasm, wonderful ideas, be champing at the bit every morning to start work, and work late every day because they just can't step away. They're just loving it so much. And a lot of people will, in fact, show up for work or show up for that interview understanding the job spec and ready to do that job and and demonstrating a lot of enthusiasm. Now, here's where things get interesting. Okay. (laughs) The third third aspect is, will we hate this person after 90 days? (laughs) Uh, now, okay. th- now, think about that. A lot of hiring managers will go in and hire somebody to do the job. They'll see that that person is enthusiastic. But what's missing? There's a certain fit check. They're not, uh, they're, they're not aligned with the group that's already in place. Or maybe there's some philosophical difference. Or maybe it's a stylistic difference, but it's so big that this hire is not going to work out. So how do you get the fit check figured out? You do that with really smart interviewing over a continuum. You just don't do one interview. You have people come in or get on Skype and, and you get to know them little by little. It's sort of like peeling back an onion. You do all the pleasantries first, but then you get into the brass tacks and here's where it's really important for a fit check. Not only can they do the job, not only can they be passionate about doing the job, but throw them into a situation that's a little dicey. And maybe it's a situational dynamic that you and your organization have been trying to fix. I'll, I'll come up with an example on the fly for you, Isar. Okay. So you have a, an organization that manages a lot of client contacts and responsibilities. And the clients are difficult people. Uh, they contact you all hours of the day and on the weekend when you're taking your children to a soccer game and they expect you to drop everything you're doing to deal with their crisis of the moment. Or maybe it's a client that changes specs a lot and they know that they've signed off. But you know what? It's a big contract and you've got to put up with it. Sure. How are you going to manage this kind of a dynamic? That's the kind of stuff that that. A fit check will address, and you've got to figure that out because you know what? If you're going to spend a lot of money to bring somebody on board, you darn well better know that they're going to work out and last well beyond 90 days, last many years, in fact.
1: So I, I really, really love what you're saying, and I want to connect it to two points from my my previous company that I used to work for. And we, you know, the company grew very, very fast and you you can't hire people fast enough. So what do you do? You go and steal people from the competition, right? That's the easiest thing to do. So okay, they have these great regional managers. We'll offer them a little more money. Uh, we'll offer them more responsibility, a bigger role, and they will jump ship. And they do. Some of them worked well. Most of them were a disaster exactly because of what you're saying, because they were not a good personality, DNA fit to the way we did things. And most of them were there for like six months and we had to let them go. So I, I love what you're saying on, on that part. On, on the flip side, mm-hmm. I had a guy that used to uh, work for me. He was running the marketing department for me and his interviews, half of it was your last point. He said, I want to know that I can have a very serious argument with that person and then go and have beers with him in the evening. And I think that's kind of what you're describing, right? It's the ability to have a professional argument with somebody, but still really like them as a person. Does that what you mean?
0: Yes. Yes, these people are going to become part of your virtual family. And like family, you got to live with them. You can't cast them off after three days because you don't like their personality. You've got to make it work. And so when we talk about that fit check again, Sometimes it depends on the hiring manager to be the grown-up and say, "You know what, I don't have all the answers and I need to bring in somebody who, you know what, may be a little smarter than me, maybe a little scrappier than me, maybe a little more entrepreneurial than I am." Sure, and that's and that's why it's important sometimes again to go through the business model to understand what needs to happen from a monetary standpoint, but extend that further to maybe say, you know what, we have a cavity in our organization. We don't have the right type of person with the right kind of temperament. And maybe we need to bring in somebody a little scrappier who's got a different point of view because you know what, we tried figuring it out, we we Ivy League people, and we didn't get it done. <laughs>
1: yeah i again I love what you're saying. I think we're all of us again I've hired i I can't even say how many people, but a lot of people and obviously people under me hired a lot of people that I had to interview, and we tend to hire people who are like us because we feel more comfortable in the interview with them and I think it's not necessarily the right the right thing because what you're trying to do is complement the team right you're trying to do something you're not doing right now, so by definition, you need a skill or like you're saying maybe a character. That you don't have on the team right now so it's fantastic i want to i want to touch on one point that you mentioned and you said uh use linkedin use uh recruiters what tools did you use as a recruiter to find and maybe even arrange so kind of like follow up and 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 uh, organize the hiring
0: process all right so let's back up a step i started recruiting A good six years, seven years before LinkedIn was a thing. Okay. (laughs) How did I do my job? I worked 18-hour days. Uh, I had a headset, and I talked constantly to people who were either candidates for hire or hiring managers. Got it. And I did primary research. I'd get on the phone, and I would say, Hey, uh, I know you work for such and such organization. I'm not looking to recruit you, but I've got a very difficult search and I need to find somebody with a very specific specific set of experiences. Um, do you know anybody who looks like this? And through that very quiet primary research, we would find... What we used to call Nirvana Gold, <laughs> and we would create a database, a dynamic database of all these individuals, um, specialized database that you know uh, could take in documents like resumes and work product and things like that, and also had um, like a like a Salesforce.com function on it that you could do recruitment pipeline builds, you know, of your candidate prospects, and then your warm candidates, and then your hot candidates, and then what it took to get them to placement. So that's what we did in the old days. It was, but, but even with LinkedIn, we didn't rely on LinkedIn. Now here's what happened though. LinkedIn, uh, when we started working with LinkedIn, maybe they had a million people on it. It's huge now. Every business person on the planet is on LinkedIn. Sure. And, and because of that, they've changed LinkedIn and they paid wall paywalled it. And now in order to get some of the best candidates, you've got to spend thousands of dollars per seat to get a LinkedIn license or licenses so that your organization can go hire people. But that old school recruitment model of using LinkedIn and even Indeed doesn't really work for recruiters the way it used to.
1: But I, again, I I love what you said, because at the end of the day, it's about talking to people, right? So from your perspective... And I'm trying to kind of dig, dig a little deeper. It's talking to people and finding references through like a person-to-person connection.
0: Oh, indeed. And that's what I tried to do. I made that person on the other end of the phone call the most important person in the world. I wanted to know what they were thinking about. What was keeping them up at night? What they really wanted to achieve, you know, a lot of people that I talk to, especially at the pinnacle of, of their careers, would be in their late thirties or early forties. That's when the magic happens to a lot of people in the work world. Okay. Um, now, I don't mean, I don't mean, uh, standalone entrepreneurs necessarily. I mean, people who are salary earning people that work for big companies.
1: Sure.
0: They've yes. worked their way up the ladder. And usually when they're in their forties is when the magic happens. So for those people, or really anybody I would talk to, even somebody who was a, an individual contributor salesperson, I would give them the value of my time and listen to them and make them the most important person in the world. And even if I didn't have a job for them, I would always keep in touch with them and think about them, send them out a note saying, you know, I'm thinking about you.
1: Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, again, I think even if you're, you know, a small business owner and you're the recruiter and you're the manager and you're all at all the things at once, usually people tend to give very little time to the recruiting process. Like, okay, I need one, two, three. They go on LinkedIn. They found a few people. They make three phone calls and they hire somebody. And again, that somebody can make your company successful or help it collapse faster. And, and I think what you're saying is, is incredibly important to people to understand that hiring people needs a lot of time, a lot of investment and a lot of personal attention because otherwise you will hire the wrong person and they will drive your company into the wrong direction.
0: You use the magic word investment. If you treat hiring people as a cost, you will never see their true value. If you understand that it's an investment, it takes time, you bring them on board, you still have to train them, you still have to empower them. That takes years. That's the long-term investment value of people. If you treat LinkedIn as a cost, you're going to be terribly disappointed with the outputs.
1: Okay. I want to switch gears a little bit and, and and talk a little bit about the current weird times we live in, right? So a very big percentage of the population of the world today and growing daily is under quarantine. A huge portion of the workforce is working from home right now. A huge person, portion of the workforce lost their jobs, which, which on one hand, if you're hiring, it's a great opportunity. But on the other hand, it's a very different scenario. And I, and I don't know if it has any impacts on hiring for the long run, but I'm interested in your opinion, both on the short term, if I am hiring because I'm in the right business, or if I'm looking for, I, I'm saying, you know what, I may not have a lot of money right now, but I think it's a great opportunity to capture talent. What's changing? What's going to be different moving forward for the longer run as well?
0: What is immediately different is the fact that People now have to turn their homes into workplaces. Uh, for me, it's not that difficult. I only have one kid and she's 18 years old and a college student. And she's probably gonna be sleeping till two o'clock in the <laughs> afternoon. Uh, my wife, who's a school teacher, is in our bedroom and she's telelearning right now. She's actually working with students to help them with their assignments and get them through the rest of the school year. So I'm in my office right now, and like a lot of people, I'm now adjusting to this new physical space. A lot of people who have never used Zoom before are now using Zoom, or Skype, or WebEx, or all the other tools. And they're learning about how valuable their time is. This is the future of work right now. I think even getting beyond this virus and it'll go away at one point, but I think a lot of work will be done virtually over Skype, over Zoom, over WebEx, because it is efficient and uh, it can be done at any time of the day. I think, um, I think that's a big thing. We may not be on planes traveling as much if that's what we do. Now, from a hiring standpoint, I, I, like, I like my hiring managers to, to meet in the physical presence of their candidates. I don't know how much of that's going to happen ongoing, so we're going to have to get a lot smarter about how we use um, online tools like Skype and Zoom to interview candidates, and we're going to have to learn those skills this are to, to detect soft skills, to detect nonverbal cues. I might throw a question out to you. It's a real zinger, and I'm going to be looking, in the ca- I'm going to be looking on the screen and seeing how you react to it. And I'm going to have to use my skill to determine, did I throw him or her, or did they get it? More of us are going to be working with people who we've never pressed the flesh with, we've never shaken hands with. Oh, by the way, we're not going to be shaking a lot of hands <laughs> here <or not>. and <laughs> No, not, not anytime soon. So so that's the biggest thing. We're not going to be literally face-to-face the way that we used to be. And that may be okay, this is not a threat. This is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to work smarter, to get more into a day, to, as I said, focus on what we have to deal with in the next 15 minutes and everything else can wait for a later point when maybe um, we're calmer and more reflective and maybe can do a better job on whatever you were going to throw my way.
1: Yes, I I agree. I want to, mention something because it's it's very very interesting what you said about managing your time i recently interviewed uh, Nir eyal uh he recently released a, his second book and his book is called indistractable from the world to distract uh and it's brilliant and he talks exactly about that about how to better manage your time so you can align your day with the goals that you set for yourself uh, whether these are professional or personal goals right it doesn't really matter usually we sacrifice one for the other he's kind of built a system around how you support both by aligning your schedule correctly and what you're saying is is so right because working from home is a lot harder to most people than working in the office you don't have that structure and that process and you have kids at home and you have Other distractions that will pull you away from your day and to me just like you said I have my three kids at home right now they're in school but they're in digital school which means Mm -hmm. they're running around and 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 doing different things in between uh, classes and I I find myself doing most of the job that I need to do after they go to sleep which means I didn't figure it out yet right I'm sacrificing my personal time if you want my time with my wife Uh, to my job because during the day I I can't find the right Zen to, to focus on the things I need to focus on. So, and I think like you're saying, that's the new norm. I think a lot of people, and you know what, I want to ask you one more thing, because we talked about it shortly in our, uh, pre-call before, uh, before this interview, you said that people would like it and wouldn't want to change. Do you want to talk about that? Like how the workforce you think is going to change?
0: Yes. So before this actually happened, one of the trends that was happening was being needle moved by the biggest part of the workforce today, and that's millennials. Okay. Millennials hated the concept that the day had to be carved up into perfect one-third portions, sleep for one-third of the day, don't work for one-third of the day, sit in a chair for one-third of the day at an office. Okay. Okay. Um, they started the trend to disrupt what a workday meant. Before we were social distancing, millennials may have um, worked really hard on a project and then left the office or their work environment for two, three hours to watch their children in a soccer game, and then come back and work some more, and maybe leave to go have dinner with somebody, and then come back and work till two o'clock in the morning. So our 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 concept of the workday it's not going to be carved up neatly the way it used to be and here's the the thing that i think you mentioned will we like the change better i think work is not going to be about how many hours you worked but what your output is amen i, 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 hired, <laughs> I wish we'll get there <laughs> i think we will i hired you to do a job dan this is how i want you to these are the these are the things that we need to do go do it i don't care how you do it and you know, if you give people the autonomy to manage their day and give them the tools to do it well, I think that's going to be the, one of the revolutions in the future of work. Listen, this whole coronavirus thing is scary as, as heck, but I think if we look at what comes out of it in terms of opportunities and not in terms of threats, we will liberate ourselves and coming out of this will be stronger will be a more resilient workforce, and your listenership who thinks about hiring uh, talent for their operations will get more engaged people doing those jobs. And that's a good thing.
1: Anything else you want to add on, and again, that, that can help people hire the right talent or maybe maintain and nurture the right talent? If not, it's okay. But if you have any like final words, that would be great.
0: Yes. Not all talent have to be hired full-time as employees. I think the future of work is bending towards a blended workforce whereby some of the talent will work full-time at jobs. Some will work full-time doing side hustles or gig work. Uh, Some, like you or I, will be 1099s running companies, and that's how we do our work week. Or some people might do all of the above or some of the above. Yes. Now, I mention that because a hiring manager listening to your podcast might say, yeah, but you know what? I can't hire right now. Well, what you could do is you could rent right now. Yes. (laughs) You could reach out to somebody you really like and say, you know what? I really like your resume. I don't have the bandwidth to bring on a full-time employee right now. But what would you think about doing um, a 90-day contract? And let's see what we can do together. I used to call that the rent to own strategy. (laughs) You give a a little tire kick. Everybody sees if they can work together. Oh, by the way, that fit check I talked about, can we work with each other after 90 days? That gets figured out in this really well. And if it doesn't, you part ways. But if it does work out, you've already done all the hard work of figuring out if that talent's going to work in your department, in your company, and vice versa. So I think one trend that will happen, and I would encourage your listeners to really try out, is if they have projects that need addressing, but they don't have the right staff for it, go on LinkedIn, go find somebody, reach out to them and say, can we talk by phone? I have an idea, and I just happen to see your your resume or your profile on LinkedIn, and I'm working on something, and I want to get your opinion on it, and that may lead to... A limited time engagement, which by the way, you won't have to pay that person a full time salary or health benefits. Sure. But you may do something even more important, which is figure out if we can work together and not kill each other at the end of 90 days.
1: Absolutely. Great. So then, last thing how can people find you? How can they find your podcast, your blog, resources that you have? Uh, available for people if they want to follow up and learn more
0: The name of the podcast is the tightrope podcast or the tightrope with Dan Smolin podcast and you can find us Really wherever people get podcasts um, I'm on LinkedIn um, as Dan Smolin also as the Dan Smolen experience My Twitter handle is Dan Smolin, D-A-N-S-M-O-L-E-N I'm on Facebook. I'm on where else am I? I'm at I'm in a lot of different places. But if you want to get in touch with me, I would say go to my go to my website at dansmolin.com. take a look at that, listen to our episodes there. Um, and definitely do subscribe uh to the tightrope podcast, where the reason why I'm doing this is not to make any money. I podcasters don't make money, at least not in and of themselves. But I want to help people make the world a better place. And where can I start? It's in an area that I've worked in for a long portion of my career in work, in the work world. If we can make work better, if we can make the future of work a really amazing thing, then I've done my job.
1: Phenomenal. Dan, this was really fascinating. I think it's so important and so overlooked in many organizations, especially smaller organizations. I really hope we're going to help a few people build better workplaces and better careers for themselves. So thank you so much for coming on board today.
0: Thank you, Asara. This has been a real pleasure.
1: People of the tribe, I hope you really enjoyed this interview with Dan Smolin. In this interview, I mentioned two other great resources if you're interested in learning more about such topics. One of them is about the interview I've done with David Itzhaki. It's named Digital Marketing in a Small Business How to Achieve Great Results with Limited Resources, where he talks a little bit about how he hires people and how he maximizes resources of a small startup. In addition, I mentioned the book by Nir Eyal. Nir Eyal has written two best-selling books. The interview with him is called, How Do Successful Companies Create Products People Love to Use? Towards the end of that interview, we share insights from his recent book, Indistractable, which talks about how can you better manage your time and amplify both your professional and personal lives. If you like the content that we're sharing, we would really appreciate if you would subscribe to our podcast and if you would subscribe to our email on the website. If you're not ready to subscribe yet, that's totally fine. Just keep coming back and I hope you listen to us next week. Hey, Tribers, I hope you enjoy this great interview. If you have, please share this with your friends and your colleagues. If you'd like access to similar content, or you would like to get the notes and the resources mentioned in this interview, please visit us at theetribe.com, where you can find other great interviews like this one, as well as many resources and tools which can help you grow or start your business. We would love it if you would join the E-Tribe, either as a member or as a contributor. You can do that on the website as well. I hope you would listen to us next time, and until then, have a great day.